What's up, everyone? This is Trey Van Camp, and you are listening to the Ministry Podcast. Just finished the last night of our leadership workshop, Never Alone. Ah, so good. Bummer is my Sony died, like in the middle of the talk. Still have, that's why you always gotta do two camera angles. So it's not as pretty in the end, but the point is, is the content, it's also on podcast. Hope you enjoy it. I talk about the three problems about why, as a culture today, we really struggle with genuine, biblical, authentic community. Hope you enjoy it, and uh, here we go. I hope you've been challenged, I hope you've been stretched. Honestly, we've done some assignments where we hope you were annoyed uh, because that's the only way to grow. Some of the reading assignments were difficult. That was intentional. I'm, I'm trying, I think so many of us, we miss out on opportunities to grow as people because we only do what's comfortable. I know I've kind of emphasized this constantly, but I'm gonna say it one more time. We have picked five values because the, essentially everyone has a culture. Your family has a culture, your organization, wherever you work has a culture. It's inevitable. The, the question is, either you will form the culture or the culture will form you. So you can, as a family, decide, this is what I want my culture to be like in my family, or it will just naturally happen, and there's gonna be some things that are bad about your family life, but you just, instead of you being the one in control of it, you let it get control of you. And so that's why we've decided, and this leadership workshop is essential, like we're really believing that you guys are gonna help infuse the DNA of our church to everybody who's not here. Like we're deeply relying on you guys uh, to really grow our church uh, through these cultures. Patrick Lencioni says this, if everything is important, then nothing is. So that's why we picked five. I kept, I thought of like 28, right? But you guys wouldn't remember all 28. And so I say that to encourage you in your own family. However, if you want to come up with your own values, don't, tr- don't celebrate everything because then nothing is great. That's something I have to teach myself because I try to, I get excited about everything, but that really diminishes some things. And, and so that's something I, I want us to know. Now, today's value is never alone. We believe experiencing God is always better in community. Another thing, community doesn't happen by coincidence. I believe biblical community never happens by coincidence. Now, history lesson. I believe in our culture today, there are three reasons why community is difficult to form today. Uh, There's a 17th century famous philosopher named Rene Descartes. You guys ever heard of him before? Rene Descartes, he was the one who famous for, I think, therefore I am. What's unique about him, most people credit him as he, his thoughts created the foundation for moder- modernity. That's how the modern era, the modern period, modernity. That sounds like it's such a weird word. Okay. In the modern era. So we have, you guys ever heard of modernism? Rene Descartes was the one who set this forth. Here's one thing. He shifted the debate from, okay, what is true? People would, would spend their whole life, what is truth? And they would search like the Bible. They would search things. Instead, he made the question of what can be certain? Of what can I be certain? So maybe it's true for you, but can I be certain that it's true? So it kind of created this doubting of everything. And this was started by him. So in other words, what it did is it took away authority. Okay, just because you're in authority, does that mean what you say is right? Some of that's healthy, but a lot of that also isn't healthy. Uh, what happens is humans, what Rene Descartes did, I don't know if it was his, his intention or not, but it created a culture where God wasn't the one in charge, but we're the one in charge. So if God says something that we disagree with, 
then we're going to say, God, you're wrong and I'm right. Before the 1700s, that wasn't really a thing. Not, not as popular as it is today. So what, what do we have today? We have today an authority problem. Now, not only that, he shifted uh, the mindset from we to me. Before the 17th century, so I know that's 1600s, before then, honestly, the culture of most places, it was, it takes a village to raise a child. It takes community. It's not, what, what do you do, what's best for me? No, no, no. What they always said, what's best for me is what's best for us. What, what can we do to help us? So, so you have, the reason why we struggle with community today, this all makes sense. Number one, we, we don't like authority. We've been raised in our culture to, to like I say, any School of Rock fans, stick it to the maniosis, right? You, no, yeah, remember? Uh, and so you just don't like the man. You, it's, you don't do just because you're told. And also, we've taken away, we've taken away accountability, and that actually also removes authenticity. Three A's make fun of me. Now, so those are the three problems we have today in our community, and our culture, why we can't have community. We don't want authority, we don't want accountability, and we don't know how to be authentic. So that's what we're to look at today. In life, a lack of community always creates a lack of clarity. So many people come up to my office and my dad's office and they say, I don't understand what to do here. I, I don't get it there. And we say, well, are you plugged into church? Are you plugged into a group? Are you doing these things that we encourage you to do? No, no, no. I, I, that's, I'm not in a place for that. Well, those are, that's the answer. Like that will help you quit trying to figure out another solution. Proverbs says this, Proverbs 19:20. Listen to advice and accept instruction. That you, may gain, that you may gain wisdom in the future. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. Rene Descartes. But a wise man listens to advice. Now, why, are, why do we believe never alone? Why is this so essential? We will never face life alone because we can do more together than we ever could apart. That's why what's so cool with our church, I love that we are a church. Like there are certain things we want to do and the only way we can achieve those things is if we gather together and collectively try to pursue those goals. Now the first one I'm gonna look at is authority. How many of you, no I don't wanna ask because we're gonna answer it later, but I was gonna ask how many of you struggle with authority? Most of us struggle with authority, especially because maybe you were raised in a home where it was abused. Great leaders know the difference between authority and abuse. So many people, when they hear authority, they think, oh, abuse. They think this gives you the opportunity to use and abuse me. No, thank you. I don't want any authority in my life because I want to make my own decisions. This actually, church history, uh, man, the Catholics really struggle with this, right? The priests, they said, I'm the one in authority. You can't read your Bible. You're too dumb. I'm going to tell you what it says. And they started making stuff up to make themselves more powerful. That is abuse. That is not authority. We have to realize God created authority. So therefore, authority is actually a very, very good thing. Authority, the basic definition, is the ability to make decisions and take action. Authority is the one, okay, I'm the one in authority. Let's do this. There needs to be somebody that makes that distinction. Now, the really, really good book, if this really fascinates you, this whole topic, it's Strong and Weak. No, yeah, Strong and Weak by Andy Crouch. Great author. Uh, he also wrote the book Culture Making, which really influenced our culture hacking series. Now, Strong and Weak, he talked about, here's why most of us struggle with authority. Because 
Authority must always be coupled with vulnerability. So be, when you're in power, you must also show your weakness. Did Jesus not do that perfectly, right? Even though he was fully God, he was also fully man, right? He suffered even though he was perfect. Now, here's why so many of us struggle with authority. We either see, okay, if, if it's high on authority, but there is no vulnerability, you get exploited. If you're a leader who loves being in power, but you never share your weakness, you exploit people. That is wrong. If you are a person, though, who doesn't lead with authority, but is only vulnerable, you withdraw. You, 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 you shy away from anything. But guess what? We can't get anything done as leaders if we withdraw from every problem. Also with that, if you're just high on vulnerability um, and, and none on authority, it also leads to suffering. Your people suffer. You suffer because you see a problem, but you're too scared to step up, take action, and make a solution. But the beautiful thing is when we lead with authority and vulnerability, we actually are able to flourish as a society, flourish as a community. Does that make sense? It's really fascinating. So many of us have that misunderstanding. Now, what does this mean for our church? What this means is we believe God created authority and I think within the church we must have authority. So, this is why we have what we call our leadership pipeline or, um, is that what we call it? Yeah, just the way we, <laughs> the way we organize the way we do at church. So, we have the first level is dream team. So if you serve at any capacity at our church, you are on the dream team. What, is, what are we asking everybody on the dream team to do? We want you to lead yourself. This is hard. This means you don't let life form you, you form life. So you read your Bible. You spend God time, gather time, group time, go time. You're not, you're, nobody's pulling you to come. You're not like a kid, right? You're somebody who is leading yourself and you're making these decisions because you know it's what's best for your life. With that, with leading yourself, this is on a Sunday morning capacity with serving, it's 100% doing. So dream team, what we're asking, we're asking you to do something. So our, our nursery is incredible. What are we asking them to do on Sunday mornings? We're asking them to make sure our kids don't hurt the other kids and that they're safe and they hear about Jesus, right? Like that and make sure they don't get a disease. Like that, those are the, those are the big W's. Uh, that's what you're called to do. And, and for some of you, it's like, I don't need any more tasks because I have so many other tasks in my home life and my work life. I just want to come here. I want to do something to help the kingdom of God and then go home. Great, we need more of that. The next level is we have what we decided to call it as a team captain. So you lead other people. So you're the one who, you are in charge of a dream team. So for example, uh, kids, my wife is the team captain of our nursery. So it's her job, so it's 50% doing, but 50% delegating. The team captain's job is to delegate. So it's up to Jordan, my wife, to make sure everybody knows which Sunday they're on. She sends a reminder throughout the week and she says, is there anything you need? And she's always there to help and do something. 50% doing, 50% delegating. That is what makes our church function. Um, this is a really good quote by Andrew Carnegie. He says, no man will make a great leader who wants to do it all himself or to get all the credit for doing it. You are not a leader if you want to do it all yourself and you want all the credit. That's not who we're looking for. We have coach. Coach is a leader of leaders. You guys tracking with me? So what we have with a coach, what we're hoping and praying for in our system, the greatest way we have, so growth groups is like one of the biggest things for our church. So we're, we're asking you, praying, will you lead a growth group? Will you host a growth group? Caleb, right now, he is the coach 
of our growth group. So in other words, at the end of the day, if you as a team captain, because growth group leaders are team captains, because you're leading other people in Bible study, if you have an issue, if you have a question, somebody is talking too much in your group, you go to Caleb because he is a coach. He will help you, give you the right resources. We'll kick out the right people to make sure that your group is going well. Got it? So, so that is what a coach is supposed to do. In every organization, you have to have somebody who's leading the leaders. And so we're trying to be a healthy organization doing that. Here's a great quote by the great Ronald Reagan. Don't you miss him? Who wasn't alive, right? Me neither. Okay. The greatest leader is not necessarily the one who does the greatest things. The greatest leader is the one that gets the people to do the greatest things. So what's the coach's job? It's 50% delegating, but it's 50% developing. The next one is coordinator. Uh, we don't have one at this point. That is like the next level we have for us is just lead pastor. Uh, hi. Um, but, but in the future, we want a coordinator. So that's leader of a department. What they do, 50% is, um, is developing, but 50% is also directing. So I'm, I'm telling you all this to kind of show you what our church looks like, but also maybe even help your own business. If you're starting one, this is really help structure is, is directing. So this is what I love to do. Casting vision, telling people this is the, here's the North Star. This is where we need to go. Now, here's the thing, coordinators and pastors, this is the biggest thing that has been really helpful for me to learn. My biggest job is not to fix the biggest problem. My biggest job is to find the best people to fix those problems. My job is to find people, not to fix problems. At the end of the day, what is me, I'm supposed to, I'm all about people and people can fix those problems. Now, okay, next one. We gotta fly through these, there's so much tonight. Great leaders know that you gain more authority when you give it away. Have you ever met that guy who got authority and it went straight to their head, right? And it's like, I don't like that guy. You know, like cops in their first year, <laughs> they just do whatever they want. It's like, get over yourself, you know? At the greatest way though, if you want to be somebody who's respected in your organization, in your job, whatever, be somebody who freely gives away authority. I love this. Craig Rochelle, he talks about this. Uh, I listen to a leadership podcast. He says, great leaders don't delegate tasks. They delegate authority. What that means, we're delegating. I'm not just telling you to do something. I'm also telling you, you have the choice. You can make decisions while you're on the job. So like, here's what we're doing with the kids. But if you want to do something else creative within these parameters, great. Like that is up to you to make that decision. In a healthy organization, the majority of decisions need to be pushed down. In other words, it's a very unhealthy organization for us if I'm the only one who makes all the decisions. We are a lot more healthy when your, our dream team members are making decisions because they already know our cultural values. They know it's all about never stop learning, never compare, never give up, never hold back, never alone. If it fits within those values and it reaches our goals of, of uh, baptizing people, of creating a safe and loving environment for LDS and atheists, for mobilizing our college students, if it fits within those parameters, do it and do it fast and it's gonna be awesome. Last Craig Rochelle quote. He says, you can have control or you can have growth but you cannot have both. I really wish I came up with that one, right? But you can have control or you can have growth, but you cannot have both. That one's really, really big. Great leaders use authority to give value to others rather than getting validation from others. 
So many of us hate authority because it's been people who are talented, but they're so insecure and they're using everything in their power to make you look bad and make them look good. That is not a leader. That is a bad leader who is craving validation. In the gospel, we are already validated. We are already secure. We have everything we need. We don't need applause. Therefore, we are able to give, give, give without expectation of return. Um, a quote, Lao Tzu, I don't know who this is, but I found it. Sometimes I just Google great leadership quotes and I find some stuff, okay? Okay, so he said this. He could be like a terrible person. I don't know, but the quote is great, okay? I get so scared. I usually Wikipedia them, but I did not for him. A leader is best when people barely know he exists. When his work is done, his aim fulfilled, they will say, we did it ourselves. That's a great leader. You will always look from, uh, for validation from other people if you do not have your validation in the cross and the cross alone. That's why I think as Christians, we should be the best leaders on the planet because we can be the most pure in our motives. That's how we can shine. It's not just because we say, hey, do you know Jesus, which is important, but it actually just helps us in everyday life. Now, accountability. Now, it's kind of funny. I think most people, they hate all three of these words. When it comes to church, I don't want you to talk about authority. Another thing, I hate accountability. I talk to a lot of people. I tell them, you need to get an accountability partner. They say, I tried that once and it didn't work. How many of you had accountability partners? It was great for like two weeks, right? And yep, and then it was like, well, now that they know I have all my problems and then we don't meet anymore, this was fun. I'm glad I did that. You know, and so accountability uh, whew, is really heavy, but I think it's so important. Uh, Arnold Glasso, I don't know who he is. He said this cool quote, ready? He says, a good leader takes a little more than his share of the blame and a little less than his share of the credit. So that's like the other, that's the positive side of accountability. I, I'll be accountable for all the bad that happens in this, in this church. As the head leader, I need to take ownership of that. But all the good stuff, I need to give that away and say somebody else did that. That's incredible. Uh, the great Winston Churchill said, the price of greatness is responsibility. Great leaders create ownership because ownership creates accountability. If, if you feel like you own this ministry, if you feel like you own the welcome team, right? Like this, I love this, this is my passion. I don't have to force you and keep reminding you to show up 15 minutes before church starts. You're gonna be excited. You're gonna show up 30 minutes before because you own this, you're excited. Like what's so cool, our musicians, they come early and help get set up because they feel ownership. Here's the problem why a lot of leaders don't keep people accountable. Accountability is difficult, right? I, for me, that is something, that's one of my biggest things I'm learning as a leader. I need to hold people accountable and actually remind them of that and then there be consequences if they don't fulfill it. Uh, Patrick Lencioni said this quote. He says, some people are hard to hold accountable because they're so helpful. Others because they get defensive. Others because they're intimidating. I don't think it's easy to hold anyone accountable, not even your own kids. So that's something to work through. Are you gonna be a leader? Are you gonna be a manager? You need to learn how to hold people accountable. This is my big, oh, I, I'm terrible at this, and I'm just gonna say it, but I know I need to do it, all right? So pray for me. With accountability, great leaders measure what matters. So some things you don't need to hold them accountable for because it's not that big of a deal, but what are the most important things we need to hold people accountable for? So what we've decided to do on our staff, which <laughs> we haven't done the greatest at, but we've done it a little bit, we have 90-day goals. 
So if you do the math, there's, that's four quarters. There's four quarters in a year. And so what we decide to do is before that 90 day starts, we get together and say, okay, what is your responsibility in this organization? What is your big win? Now write down what is your role? Like what do you do? What's your responsibility? And what do you want to see done in 90 days? What is your dream? It needs to be attainable, but what do you want done in 90 days? I suggest this for your Christian life. Like, how many books do you want to read in 90 days? You know, like, how do you want to step up in your leadership in the next 90 days? And so what we do, we say, okay, within those 90 days, we're going to measure goals according that reach our overall goals, which again, baptisms, LDS atheists, college students, we want to create little um, measuring marks to make sure we're reaching that overall goal. So for baptisms, okay, if we want to have more baptisms in 90 days, point one, I need to talk about baptism for four of those Sundays. Mark it down on my calendar. We'll have it as an announcement one week. We'll do a baptism testimony video the next week. You know what I'm saying? You come up because you could just say, we just want baptisms. God, how come there's not baptisms? And God's like, you haven't talked about baptisms. How are they going to know they need to do this if you don't tell them to do it? That happens so often. And if for you, it's like, how come I'm not doing this? You're not setting measuring marks and keeping yourself accountable. So measuring matters. Within those 90 days, it's important to split those up in two-week increments. So I, this is what I want to do in 90 days. Now, here's the very detailed things I'm doing for the next two weeks. Then at the end of those two weeks, you look back, what did I do well? What did I not do well? Okay, let's re-examine. If I want 10 leaders in 90 days, in the next two weeks, I need to talk to 20 people. So I'm gonna keep myself accountable. These things don't just magically happen. You have to put a to-do list and you have to keep yourself accountable or you're gonna live your life with regret. Uh, that got deep fast. <laughs> or you're gonna be in retirement home crying. Okay, Brian Tracy, again, don't know who you, I, this is, that is not good to me, but these are good quotes. Leaders think and talk about the solutions. Followers think and talk about the problems. So when you measure things, measure the solutions. Hold yourself accountable to be a problem solver. Don't come together and say, what's, what's wrong with everything? Everybody, everybody can be a critic, but not everybody could create. How are you being a creator? How are you leading with solutions? I love this quote too. Conviction always shows you the solution. Condemnation always shows you the problem. The devil is a terrible leader and he only comes up with problems. But Jesus is the leader of leaders and the king of kings and he always shows you the solution. What's this lead for us practically? D groups. I've been talking about it, I put it in your homework, and you're like, okay, but what is this? Okay, so now I'm gonna explain what D groups are. Discipleship groups, it's based off a book by Rob Gallaty called um, Growing Up. We have it available here, but it's something we wanna walk through. Now with discipleship groups, it's two to four people, and you're walking life together. Jesus had 12 disciples, but he also had his three, right? Anybody know who those three were? Peter, James, and John. He had those three with him. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he only brought three with him. Life is meant to be lived corporately. Also, growth group, 10 to 12 other people, but also three other people that you're living life with. Those three know more about you than anybody else does. The job here, what you're supposed to do, you're supposed to just simply read the Bible and then talk about it together. Pray together. Open up about your problem. Essentially, it's you're holding each other count accountable on your God time, your gather time, your group time, and your go time. 
You're holding each other accountable. You're encouraging each other though. Here's why a lot of people hate accountability. Did you mess up this week? Yeah, did you? Yeah. Okay. Where's Chick-fil-A? You know, like it's not, but so what it is is how's God moving in your life? Like what is God teaching you? We're trying to make this as organic as possible. Our growth groups, we have questions to go through, seven questions based off of the sermon. It's very organized, it's always this. But D groups, it's let's get together. We have to talk about Jesus and the Bible and sin, but let's just see where it takes us. Let's just talk about what God is doing. Let's talk about what we're trying to change in our lives. And you'll be amazed. At first, you're not gonna go deep. But for guys, I always suggest, if you wanna start this D group, go golfing together, go play ball together, go shoot something together, you know what I'm saying? Like do something shoulder to shoulder because it brings immediate value when you do face to face. Girls get pedicures together, I don't know. Do something to where you get closer together. I don't know who girls, even though all I have is girls, I haven't figured you out yet, yeah. Um, yeah, thank you. So that's what we want for D groups. So we seriously want everybody here to say, okay, you're my D group person. Like let's do this and let's meet. Now, we're not even gonna be picky on what you read. What we talked about, we're talking about possibly telling people, okay, if you guys want to follow our plan, we're going to go through the book of First Kings together. Here's the chapters. We can split it all up for you. Or you can say, you know what? We went on YouVersion Bible app. Here's a Bible plan. This is what we're going to use. Great. Do that. But the point is you're reading your Bible every day and then meeting once a week or once every two weeks and talking about it. The next one is authenticity. So we talked about authority, talked about accountability, now authentic. We expect every leader to build a family bond among other church members. One of our deepest desires at our church is that when you come on Sunday, when you go on Wednesday night, whenever it is that we all gather together, you love that time together and you catch up with them and you care for them and you pray for them. It's family. And that is such a great witness to the world around us. If you're a leader at this church, at any level of our organization, we desperately, ex we expect you to treat other church members as family. Great leaders love people and use plans. Bad leaders love plans and use people. If you want to be authentic, we want to actually love you. We want to care for you. It's not authentic if it's like, yeah, you're great. Now do this, this, and this for me, and I'm not going to check up on you. One way to be authentic is to be a loving church. We want to, we desperately want to be a loving church. Here's some ways we're trying to be a loving church. First of all, just the Sunday morning experience, we're trying better and better to make it more loving. The theater immediately has a vibe that we fight against. We've done a lot of things. It's a lot better, I think, the last uh, since we first started. We're trying harder and harder. Another thing, though, we are very intentional. This leadership workshop, we're in circles for a reason with this leadership workshop, right? We want you to get family. We want you to... Now, another thing we do is the Dream Team Rally. Dream Team Rallies are huge. So what we want to do is this, is this Sunday night, we do it at least once a quarter. Everybody who serves gets invited. We're going to do this Sunday night. We're going to have ice cream night, a game night, and we're, I'm going to talk a little bit about what we're going to do this fall with our college students. But th that, that is our goal. We want to rally you. We want to encourage you. We want you to play games with each other. One time we didn't escape the room. That was a blast where we got to do team bonding with each other. It's just really expensive, but I want to do that again. Viking Feast, we, we do fun events like that where it's just, let's just get together and eat, right? We want to make each other feel like family. So we have Dream Team Rallies. Another thing that we've instituted in our church is Dream Team Huddles. So uh, huddle is not just everybody, but okay, all the kids ministry people, let's go do something together. All the worship team, let's do something together. All the college students, let's do something together. That's a Dream Team Huddle. Uh, 
I love this quote from Eleanor Roosevelt. I know who that is, right? Eleanor Roosevelt says, to handle yourself, use your head. To handle others, use your heart. That's really good. We must always be authentic and we must love people and that's how we're gonna change people. This one is incredibly huge. Great leaders know the difference between authenticity and transparency. We are called to be authentic with everyone, but only transparent with a few, like a D group. Let me give you an example. There's a pastor uh, that I heard of in California. He did this great job. He, He can really grow a church to like 800 people. But always around the 800 people mark, it really brought a lot of stress in his life and there's a lot of things organizationally they just couldn't figure out how to go over the hump. And eventually, every time, he would, he would go up to the church on Sunday morning and say, man, I almost quit this week. Like, it was really hard. Some people are terrible. I don't like you. You know, like just completely transparent. Shares everything. That church went from 800 back to 400. Because people think, why would I follow a leader? I don't know how much longer you'll be here. You almost quit. If we grow more, you're definitely going to quit. I'm out. Now, does that mean, I bet you every great leader has those thoughts. But it's our job not to share them with everyone. Like as parents, there are certain things I will never tell my children. Because there's a certain, they kind of need me to be their hero. So I'm not going to tell them how terrible I am in certain things. Because the best thing for them is to be their hero. I, another thing, if there's something that Faith did wrong, that doesn't mean I have to tell Selah what Faith did wrong. We can be authentic and loving, but not transparent with everybody. Great leaders win your trust before they ever consider asking you to adjust. That's the one I'm proud of tonight, all right? Think about it. So my friend, he's taking over a church. It's been running for over 50 years and he's the new pastor. Guess what his job is for the first five years? Build trust. He is there to love on people, care for them and win their trust. My dad always says he could not have built this building in year one or even year five. He had to spend 10 plus years gaining the trust of his people in order for them to be willing to write the checks that built this building. Trust is huge. So if you're a leader, especially in a new organization, guys, if you're going to lead a Bible study this year, you need to spend a lot of your time before you start telling them to repent. You need to spend a lot of your time just loving them and gaining their trust before you ever ask them to adjust. Patrick Lencioni says this quote, it's as simple as this. When people don't unload their opinions and feel like they've been listened to, they won't ever really get on board. People won't feel ownership if they don't feel loved and they don't feel like they can trust you with what they got going on. Great leaders know that trust must be won for the rest to be fun, okay? Leadership is supposed to be an incredible thing. Leadership is supposed to be, we're seeing life change around and it's fantastic, it is so fun. But before we get to that level, there has to be trust that is built. And that is why we're strategic with how we do our growth groups, the first, Uh, This semester, this September, we're going to spend a lot of time just getting to know each other in the group before you dive in. All these things are so huge. Never underestimate. You trust yourself, but people don't trust you. You don't have the right. You have to earn everybody's trust, but it's incredible what happens next.